Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 130 of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast, the podcast that brings you backstage as close as you possibly can be, often while the shows are actually happening, to meet the people that make that theater happen. Just a quick reminder that you can download and subscribe to the podcast from the Apple Podcast app or from iTunes. That way your feed will be automatically updated when we release podcast episodes. But you can also listen to us on many other streaming services such as Stitcher and Google Play. Now, please do rate and review our podcast. If you haven't done it before, please do it now because iTunes, Apple Music, whatever, they've uh, they've changed your algorithm. So we need those five-star reviews. If you have a chance to do it, that would be amazing. If you can spare 30 seconds, help us reach more theater lovers out there around the globe, that would be amazing. And now for this week's podcast. It's a bit of a Sound Geeks episode this week. I am using that term in the best light possible because I am a Sound Geek and I've been, have been one as long as I can remember. I mean, certainly since I got my first keyboard at the age of 12, uh, a gift from my father to me so I wouldn't be bored during the summer. We moved to Okinawa, Japan, and I didn't know anybody. Um, it basically just kickstarted a love of all things sound technology related. And whenever I could get down to the music store, or I, I, I would. Uh, those were my weekends. Um, uh, I wouldn't say wasted, but spent. Uh, as I record this, um, my home office is stacked with sound tech, old and new, analog and digital. Um, uh, and it's a, a subject that absolutely continues to fascinate me. When Matt and I attend theater and live entertainment professional trade shows, I love to take a look around at the new gadgets on show, and that's where we came across the guys and girls at Shure. Uh, I guess they're best known for their vast array of microphones and packs. I mean, they have been around for a long, long time, pioneering sound technology, pushing the boundaries of sound capabilities for decades. I mean, if you take a look at any jazz, big band, or rock and roll star from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and you will see them singing with a classic silver skull mic, which we talk about. Um, Today, Sure have come up with uh, a microphone that is hitting the theater world by storm. Smaller, lighter, better response and performance, along with a body pack that is far less conspicuous than those they've released before. Uh, And this sitting alongside their big initiative called This Is The Moment. They've got some incredible videos uh, that I'll put in the show notes. Go check it out. Jason Mraz, Jagged Little Pill, all that kind of stuff. Um, Really cool videos on YouTube highlighting the critical moment where every single piece of the production puzzle comes together at the moment the performer takes a breath to speak or sing or even play a note or anything. It's just that magic moment. I had the pleasure of talking to the senior product manager, Microphones, at Shure, uh, about the years of development and incredible invention and iteration that has seen their new Axiant digital wireless system and the Twinplex system used on shows such as Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, War Horse, and the new musical Jagged Little Pill. Have a listen. Yeah, so we have two two prime products now for theater that we kind of traditionally never had. Uh, one being Accent Digital, which is our new high-end wireless system um, that features uh, the ADX1M micro body pack. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at in a similar time frame, um, we developed a new lavalier and headset called uh, Twinplex to to comp- be the companion product for mm. for that. Really targeted for for a lot of different industries, but really targeted for theater, um, because when you mate that Twinplex new Twinplex mic with yeah. the micro body pack, you're really getting a pretty much best in class 
audio quality, durability, uh, and just performance out of out of wireless now. Um, yeah. So you guys, I so mean, we're, so I just started to jump in. I mean, when you think of Sure microphones, at least for me, you know, and, and you come from a music background as well. I mean, it's the, the live performance has always been, you know, the 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 ultimate stage mic in my in my um, you know my in my head is the Sure SM58 or SM57. You know, um, is that your kind of war your your workhorse? Yeah, we kind of stay around the building here that keeps the lights on for us. Okay, and, good. And uh, we still are amazed at how many others we sell every year, and uh, we. St- we don't know where they go and who buys them. Maybe they're just going into some landfill. Everybody's just dumping them somewhere, I just, I, and then they just keep buying them. Yeah. I don't know where they all go. I, but. I don't think you could ever have enough. You never know when somebody's going to go, oh, I don't mind singing with you guys, and you break out another one. But, I mean, what what was it that got you guys into thinking that, um, okay, we really need to get in into the, the theater, and, and you this mic, I've seen it. I've, I've held it. It is incredibly small. Um and the pack is incredibly small. What made Sure as a company want to, you know, was it something yeah. that you guys saw um, in in theater that you went, hold on, we can really do something here? Yeah, I mean, we we had been, um, I would call ourselves kind of a, a fringe player in the professional theater market. And we actually had a pretty good, we felt we had pretty good performance at the mid and low tier for theater. Um, collegiate theater, regional theater, with ULXD and QLXD wireless systems and SLX um, and kind of our mid-tier lobs and headsets, we felt like we were actually doing pretty well in that mm-hmm. aspect of it. But for professional Broadway West End theater, we we knew we needed uh, – you know, it wasn't a long putt for us to, to really start attacking that market. And with Accent Digital, when the start of Accent Digital started – uh, we focused a ton on industrial design of the body packs and form factors and really targeted um, theater as a prime example for how sh- should the next generation of a body pack feel. And uh, we it drove us to the uh, rounded edges and uh, a, a internal antenna design. And so you don't have an external antenna on the ADX-1M on Action Digital. And, and uh, it drove us towards... Um, you know, the theater market as a prime example of a body pack has to be worn and it has to be comfortable and it has to stay cool and it has to be virtually waterproof and sweatproof. Yeah. And uh, it really, uh, during that development effort uh, on the wireless on the wireless team, um, we also realized, you know, we really need to have a, a premium live and headset to go with this product as well. And that's where my role came in. Uh, I, I manage most of the microphone projects here my team does. And we said, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to start these things, you know, about five and seven years ago, we started really front ending research on both the wireless accent digital platform and, and the lavalier and headset platform. And, uh, we knew the club players we had to go after. Um, and it, at, at a first benchmark on the lav side, uh, you know, we knew we had to get there, we had to get there from an audio quality standpoint and we didn't yeah. have an, uh, a transducer design that we had existing in our portfolio that was going to cut it. We felt like, so we, we ground up, started on a new, uh, transducer element, um, called Twinplex using a, a dual diaphragm design. Right. Um, and, and that was, a that was a start of what was like a, a three year project on just what we call advanced development in terms of, all right, how's this, if we want to get, 
waterproof, sweatproof, best in class cable. We want to have best in class dynamic range and the lowest self noise. You know, here's what we need to to handle and do um, to to get to that point. That is a um, you're saying seven years ago. That's a that's a big commitment and almost a, I don't want to say gamble because you guys are you know world class, but it's that's a big commitment. Three years of of research for for a, a new product, you know, and something that you're going to put in the market. It, it is a big commitment and it. And we are fortunate enough to, um, to have the patience for projects like that. You know, we're not, we're private little company. We're not beholden to like a, a sales figure for the quarter that we must hit. Um, and you know, we had, we, we had the appetite for it and we viewed it more as a platform, uh, going forward and less of a, of an individual product because we knew we needed a new transducer design to compete at the class of sound quality we needed to. It was very much an effort of patience actually, because Axiom Digital also, you know, wasn't a walk in the park either. Um, that was, you know, multiple technology blocks coming together to make Axiom Digital happen. Um, both from an RF, RF efficiency standpoint, and uh, we're not getting more spectrum in this world. We're getting less. Uh, we knew we needed, you know, there's a totally new audio codec and audio modem in that product, all new form factors, all new, you know, redeveloping battery technologies mm-hmm. and interference avoidance and, you know, the thing can automatically change channels if you in milliseconds if you get interference. So wow. in a perfect world, both of these products would have come out together at the same time. But, uh, Twinplex was a little late, unfortunately, but it was worth it. Um, and, uh, you know, we spent five years on, on developing a new cable. Like, yeah, so I've seen the video does, of, like, how... <laughs> I've seen the video that you guys have put out. I mean, it's if anybody wants to go see how crazy the development and this the, the kind of... Um, I suppose the stress test of all every single component that you guys put in, because you, you talked about sweat, you talked about being cool, the ba- the pack's got to be rigid, but the cable testing, you guys, the 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 machine that you built to test the cables is just fun to watch. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, you saw it probably live at um at ABTT. Yeah, we, we built like a mini version of it. Um, because we're so proud of it. I mean, it, we knew that. I knew going in like, all right, we know we obviously have to deal with sweat. And we had to, we had some stuff to, 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 we'll talk about how we get to that point. But I laid the gauntlet down on the team. I was like, guys, we don't have a cable today that is going to cut the mustard. Um, we had good cable, but we didn't have anything thin enough. We needed four colors. We needed uh, thinner cables and more flexible cables and more durable cables because it's the first thing that goes on a lot. Yeah. And um, we kind of had to re-engineer uh, our interconnects and in the process develop a new cable. So we sent, we, we had a whole we had a cable commodity team who who really spent about a year just looking at partnerships within the uh, the high end cable industry, and we found one that was very promising and borrowed from the medical industry, used in like uh, stints. Actually, they use this te- this technology that's inside the cable. That's crazy to run a to run a stint through your vein, right? Yeah. So, um, so they have um, and that's not going to break. So you, <laughs> you, don't, you don't want that yeah, to break. So I mean, and like, and like they, yeah, exactly, like technology where like life and death situations yeah. like on a yeah. medical device you know you can't have a break so yeah. so they submitted some uh, some articles for us to first test on the cable flex machine and and we literally ran them for for two weeks straight on the cable flex machine and they never failed and uh it was blew our specification out of the water mm. and uh the quality guys were like 
uh, we kind of need the machine for other things now. Is this good enough? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's good. Let's <laughs> go. Um, so that was a really promising. Uh, you know, we had to work some kinks out through it through the throughout the process, but sure. um, that was really exciting to uh, to have a, a new industry first cable that that we were extremely proud of. Um, the cable on it is. We have two versions, a 1.6 millimeter diameter version and a 1.1 really thin version. For, That's for lean. ridiculous. It's, it's a significant portion of, of the cost, actually, of the, of the microphone. We felt like it was, it was you know, that important to be yeah. almost 50% of the cost of that thing is, is the cable and the connector. But and, that's important um, because we do, as theater people, we, 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 we don't, I mean, the cables, we will bend them, we will yank on them, we, I mean, we shove them into clothing, we, you know, we wrap them around whatever we've got to, you who know, knows bodies, who knows, <laughs> who knows what, it, they, yeah. those cables get abused properly, and they do always go, I mean, cables are the first things to go. Yeah, so we, we took it to heart, and the early research is like, Oh, and because they're all competing factors. I need to be super durable. I need to have crazy strength. I also need to be really flexible. I need to be paintable. It's like there's a lot of requirements, opposing requirements that, that come together when you're trying to design a cable. And um, But I would say that's definitely one of the hallmark uh, uh, properties of the TwinPlex line is how flexible and relaxed the cable feels, yet you know it has over a 50-pound pull strength on it. That's so crazy. it's pretty 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 remarkable pretty pretty good robust and when you you talk about um you mentioned the sweat test as well again again it's an amazing little vid uh amazing to see what because we do sweat you know especially in in musical theater um you know you think think about something like les mis or hamilton or whatever you guys have got you know you're harry potter at the moment you're using um the system on harry potter and and warhorse and that those are two hot shows and you've got Mm -hmm. a lot a lot of sweat on, from a lot of actors going into, you know, that's around the microphones. Don't like sweat. Microphones don't like to be wet and I neither do packs. How did you guys kind of overcome that? What did you, you know, where did you have to start? So cable durability and sweat were the two main, uh, feature sets that we really needed to understand. And, uh, so we developed, uh, early on in the project, we, we needed it. We wanted to figure out a way to objectively measure for sweat, immersion and sweat you know entering into the mm. microphone or entering into it entering into it interconnect on a on a body pack or something yeah and um so we developed this thing called the sweat bot which is basically uh <laughs> uh mimics a forehead um you know it has a heated moleskin pad at 98.6 f and right. and uh it uh we lay microphones on there and we buy really expensive artificial sweat uh, that's even has like amino acids in it. And, uh, and we, uh, put it inside of this, uh, basically a mini anechoic chamber that can run a curve on a speaker and we can, um, measure, you know, every 10 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. as sweat drips into the microphone, you know, is there a loss in sound quality? And, yeah. and we were able to, it was really interesting because as we were benchmarking our competition as well, um, and benchmarking our prototype, early prototypes, yeah. Uh, you know, I would go out in the field and, and talk about, talk to customers like, okay, so when a competitor lab fails, what does it sound like? You know, how does it, what do you hear? Yeah. And, uh, you know, they say, oh, I hear this, this product, you know, this one just loses a whole bunch of sensitivity or this one has a whole bunch of high frequency loss and then it'll come back for a little bit and then it'll just completely die or, and, uh, I was getting all of this like anecdotal feedback, yeah. but to be able to correlate that to an objective measurement 
um, on the sweat bot was really, really interesting um, to, to be able to say like, oh yeah, that's exactly what they said it was going to happen. And, and we would measure that and then we would tear it open and we could fit, we could, we would figure out how the microphone is actually failing. You know, did the diaphragm rip or did the impedance converter mm. give up or was there a hole? Is there, is there a leak somewhere? Yeah. Um, so we were able to, um, really dive into not only our prototype products, but our competitors' products as well to understand how they're failing and what they're doing and, and you know, make steps forward into not doing those things. Um, so we use that sweatbot extensively throughout the, the development of it. And we even, you know, to the point where we hired a, a metallurgist on staff for, for a few months to understand you know, compatibility between the components in the microphones, you know, that whole effort drove us into basically, uh, the, the core of it was, is the cap design is, is the kind of the first line of defense in terms of when sweat enters the microphone, it gets near the microphone. What, where does that sweat go? Does yeah. it go, get sucked into the mic or does it bounce off? And, and the cap design on Twinplex was, was, um, you know, a lot of different iterations in terms of on the sweat bot using, you know, high speed cameras and figuring out, you know, where does the sweat go? How does it enter? Um, and it drove us to this nano coated super hydrophobic coating on the cap that basically serves as a first line of defense and getting sweat away from the mic rather than in the mic. And then we know if sweat does go in there, we know that it's not going to permanently damage the, the microphone, uh, in the yeah. long term. So it's a really cool effort. Take me through also, because designers, directors, you know, they want to, they don't really want to see a microphone if they can, you know, they want to see as little a profile of a mic as possible. I mean, um, what was it, did you have to go out and talk to designers and producers or directors and say like, you know, how big is big, you know, or how small is small? Absolutely. We, um, we had... 3D prints, you know, models of, of what the size and shape of the mic would be or could be, uh, even down to like, you know, what has the cap look and, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the curves of the mic and how's the cap attached. And we had, you know, five or six different designs. And uh, the first pass at it, my gut was like, man, this thing is, is too big and too long. And, you know, we knew objectively we were, you know, much longer uh in length than our competition at that scale and they're like well take it out there see if the see if it'll work <clears throat> did, like, right. did you cross your fingers <laughs> john <laughs> i was like well i'll take it out there but i'm telling you right now I was, they're probably gonna hate it so i took it out there i showed a couple sound designers and the first time they looked at it, they're like i would never put that on a forehead right it's way too big right and uh i'm like i know thank you for saying it so i went back <laughs> to the team and i guys like this is ridiculous we can't we can't Either we're killing it, we're killing this project now, or we're, we have to take out like three man layers. Wow, of really? Is it thing. that? Is it literally that? That is the margins you're talking about? Because if, if one oh, sound yeah. designer says, "We, I will never put that on somebody." Yeah, I mean, like, well, we we got to a turning point. Like, we could have said, "All right, we know that we'll just won't make this for theater, and we'll make it as big, and we'll make it what we have now," or we can basically delay the whole thing a year and. Make it smaller. It wow, John, that's incredible. So we like we swallowed the put pill, and they figured out how to get some length out of it and shrink down. I mean, we're fighting literally fighting every point a millimeter, you know, tenth yeah. of a millimeter. So, so like we would look at this, you know, this tiny little microphone on the screen in, in CAD, you know, in in the model in the three D model, and it would, and I would like yell at them like, why is there so much space in there? 
<laughs> Andy and they're like, that's like 0.02 square, you know, <laughs> yeah. millimeters of air. You know, I'm like, get yeah, rid of yeah, it. Get I rid of it. Because, <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> preventing me from having, you know, my cap that's under, you know, yeah. five and a half millimeters. Yeah. So it's like, it was like down to that, you know, they, they were, they were like, every time they wanted to grow it, I was like, no, we're not, we're not. Well, this wall thickness isn't big enough, and that isn't. We need more space here, and I'm like, mm. figure it out. Like we can't yeah. grow it anymore. So, so yeah, I mean, we knew going in, you know, with a five millimeter caliber product, which you know most sound designers are, are accepting of. Um, but we fought tooth and nail for every every last tenth of a millimeter to to be able to hit that go to that market with an acceptable size. And and so when you when you finally had that the mic, um, the, you know, the profile you wanted, the size you wanted, you know, the cable you wanted. Where, where did you guys take it to to do your testing? And, and was it in theaters? Was it massive venues, small venues, whatever, you know? Um, what was it that um, you kind of, how did you put it through its its paces in a live environment? Yeah, we we tested the snot out of this portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> really did. We, I, I kind of laid, I kind of with the team, I was like, this is a, we have like one chance to impress with these guys. And I said, uh, I really need to make sure it's right. Not only from a performance standpoint and a size standpoint, but even like a, a, a skew and model assortment standpoint, you know, like, um, so we, uh, we hit some really early samples, like, you know, hand built here. Um, and you know, not production processes and, uh, but we we first uh, we have a couple of really core consultants that we took them on uh, on some TV shows. Uh, we did the voice early on in uh, in the testing. We did um, as a TV broadcast mic. We uh, worked with a couple of regional theaters here in Chicago and Minneapolis as well, because um, you know yeah, I would Chicago, say Broadway yeah Chicago is great designers, not yeah yeah they, I would uh, you know a top sound designer wasn't going to really throw a prototype mic on a on a stage, yeah. especially if I want a handful of them. Um, but we did have some off-Broadway work, um, slipping into some shows and rehearsals. Uh, we had them on some TV shows. We had them on some film shows. Um, I did have them on an off-Broadway. I had 12 of them on an off-Broadway show early, early on. And as the feedback started coming in, um, it was like pretty earth-shattering from a sound quality standpoint. Oh, great. Uh, and it was... They were finding they were having more game before feedback. They had bigger low end response, more natural low end. The high end was smoother to the point where like they, they weren't sending the microphones back and they're asking for more. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's so a good indicator, a good, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then the cable of course performed really well. Um, and, uh, they just loved it. I was, I, I, I was, thoroughly impressed with with how confident the users became in the in the product even at such an early stage you know if if we can wrap it up by saying you know john what do you think where where do you see the future of this um of the microphone going you know is the do the packs get smaller when when the battery technology grows you know um you know when the diaphragms can get even smaller and more responsive and receptive what what is it how do you see how do you see the uh, mic industry and, and sound industry going it's a constant um it's a constant cycle uh you know when with the advent of more digital wireless and it's pretty much everything is digital now in terms of wireless uh protocols um you know you're 
we can't hide behind the microphones can't hide behind a, a you know a not optimal sounding wireless system anymore and an analog wireless system and that's something we quickly realized as we were developing new digital wireless systems where you have 125 dB of dynamic range and it's linear 20 hertz 20 kilohertz you can't hide a bad sounding microphone anymore and you yeah. definitely can't hide a bad sounding actor or actress so <laughs> um, so it's it's really um, it was interesting because we, we were talking to a lot of sound designers and they were like you know this opened up my palette to the point where like I can now hear when a microphone is going to start to go even more. Wow. I can hear the variation in my microphones even more. And, and it's revealing almost too much, you know, in a good way. But it's, it's, it's giving them a much easier and transparent quality and palette to work with so that they can add the processing they want rather than deal with the processing that's happening in the wireless system or deal with the sound of the microphone. And, and that's been, um, I think it's, Audio is just getting better and better, and the workflows are getting easier and easier. Packs are getting smaller and smaller. Um, lavs are getting smaller and smaller, and the audio quality is is getting better in mm. in all of those processes. So, it's been an it's been a fun adventure to to break into the theater market and with some really exceptional class leading uh, products, both on the lav side and the wireless side, and and we're excited to. Uh, to see more Sure products on theaters and stages. Well, so do I. I love a Sure microphone, John. <laughs> I do. Um, well, listen, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, I know there'll be some some uh, people listening to this podcast who, you know, some sound some sound professionals and, and people who are, you know, sound geeks like myself, um, you know, love a bit of Excellent. equipment. Um, we'll get a lot out of this. And, uh, and hopefully we'll... We'll be catching up with you in the next year or so, you know, see what else you guys have got coming down the pipeline. Absolutely. We're, uh, it's a franchise for us, both on Axiom Digital and Twinplex, so we're not, we're not letting off the pedal at all. So Perfect. All right, John. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. John Bourne, Senior Product Manager, Microphones at Shure. I could have chatted him for hours about SoundTag, but there is more to come when we bring you a panel discussion later this month from Plaza uh, in London. You will not want to miss that. It's going to be talking about the future of sound. And then we're talking to people from designers all the way through to performers. So uh, you won't want to miss that. Now, before I go, just a few housekeeping notes. If you're a theater professional, head on over to curtaincolumnline.com. Sign up for a free profile page. All you have to do is create an account with an email address. Make up a cool password, away you go. Start sharing your credits to show people what you've been up to. You can follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Curtain Call, and you can follow me at John Schwab, J-O-H-N-S-C-H-W-A-B. We'd love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or feedback from the podcast. Just get in touch with us via any of the social media platforms I just mentioned, or write to me personally at john at curtaincallonline.com. It just leaves me to say a huge thank you to John Bourne and everyone over at Shure. No doubt you'll be listening to the work without even knowing it on your next theater visit. Um, thank you for listening to the Curtain Call Theater Podcast. Uh, thank you for uh, waiting during our summer break, and uh, we're back to a weekly schedule. So um, I will catch you all next week. Bye.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.